Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, today we're going to continue our series on uh, happy people. And I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's page 736 in those soft cover Bibles there. Uh, page 736. Um, we're going to continue talking about this. This series is about Jesus uh, talking to the Jewish people. Um, there's a group of people. This is from a famous sermon he preached called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he's basically got a huge Jewish audience there. And their leaders were called Pharisees. Uh, basically, they emphasized the outward appearance over inward. Uh, they were all about show and, and not so much about character and, and things like that. And Jesus is saying... Listen, you guys got it all backwards, and he uh, begins to reveal who the happy people are. See, happy people comes from the word blessed. About eight times in this passage, he says, blessed are, or, um, you know, God blesses. In, in the New Living, says God blesses. It really means blessed are. They actually are that, and that word blessed really means happy. So, really, to make it most practical for us today, he's saying, here's who the happy people are. And if you remember, this isn't like, this is what you need to do to be happy. He's just pointing it out. It is descriptive, not prescriptive. He's not saying, go do this and you will be happy. He's saying, let me just point something out to you because I think you're missing a picture here. You're not seeing things clearly. Let me show you what happy people look like. And it's crazy because as he talks, it's nothing like what you'd think it would be. He says, the happiest people are nothing. They're poor in spirit. He says, they, they've got, they know they're nothing. They, they, they don't feel like they're these great, strong people. They, they know they're very humble, very humble people. He says they're nothing, but they have everything. He says they, have the, they are nothing, but they have everything. Because they, they says they have the kingdom of heaven. Right? They have it all. And uh, he says they're going to get it all because they can handle it, because they're humble enough not to try and use it for their own good. So it's crazy. The happiest people are those who are nothing, but have everything. Second, he says the happiest people are those who are not okay, those who mourn. Because right? that's exactly who we think of when we think of happy people, everybody who's crying and grieving. They just look so happy. It doesn't, I mean, right? Tears equal happiness, right? I'm just tears of happiness. Now, he says, blessed are those who mourn, happy are they who mourn because they're going to be comforted. Because they will find God right next to them when they do. And guess what? When God shows up, it changes things. And today, we're going to look at the next one, and he does it again. He says something, and you're like, I tell you, when I read it, you're going to be like, are you serious? And I'm going to read, it says, he says, God blesses those, in verse, verse 5, as God blesses those who are humble, the actual word there should be meek. Okay, it, it, it translates humble, but a better a better translation of that word is meek. So I put it up on the on the screen so you can see it. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. How many of you are like, oh, it's going to be a good day? Oh, he's going to talk about meekness. I can't wait. That's such a weird word. Say it, meek. It's like one of those words, like the more you say it, the more like the more I've been writing this mess. I'm like, dude, this is such a weird word. Meek, meek. Like it just sounds like I'm a duck or something. All right. And when I think of the word meek, you know what I think of? Uh, I think this is what I this is what I think of when I hear the word meek. Yes. Like, right? Am I wrong? Is that what you when you think of the word meek? Is that what you think of? Right? You think of a cute little dainty rabbit, right? It's soft. It's genteel. It's delicate. It's quiet. You know, and here's the thing. Jesus is saying, like, the happy people are meek. And I'm like, I don't know if I can go with that. Like, I I like Jesus a lot, but 
don't know. I don't want to be that. Like, I just, I'm from New Jersey, right? Like, but that's what so many people think when they hear Christian. They think Christians are, oh, you're so nice and gentle. Oh, you know, like, right? Isn't that like this angelic sort of just soft, delicate little Christians? Like, Christians should just be these meek people that are quiet. They talk like a mouse, right? They've got quiet little voices. They don't start fights. They, yeah, they just, they, I don't. I don't fight anybody. I don't do anything. It's either that or they think Christians are like judgmental maniacs. Right? It's like somewhere, somewhere, it's either you're really gentle or they're like over the edge, like turn or burn, right? They got fire, flames, and you're going, you know, and they're like very condemning. Like, it's like the extremes of what people think of Christians, right? They're, and hopefully, neither of those are true. Hopefully. Because... It's either the judgmental maniac or it's the doormat of a person who just kind of lets everybody walk all over them because Jesus says, you just got to be meek. Just be meek. And I'm sitting there going, what? Is Jesus affirming this? Is he saying? Because it sounds like he's saying, yes, just, just be gentle and meek. And So the question for us this morning is, what in the world is meant by, go back to that, go back to the next one. Uh, what is meant by the word meek? Here we go. Next slide. There we go. What is meant by that word meek? What does that mean? Because if it means what I think it means, you know, that word, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Like, how many got that? Anybody? Okay, I got a few. All right, a few. Movie buffs. All right. So here's the question. What did Jesus mean by meek? Well, Jesus probably used Hebrew when he was talking. He's probably speaking in Hebrew because he's talking to Jews. So he's probably using Hebrew. And the word that he probably used in Hebrew is this word ani which means obedience and accepting God's guidance. To be meek means, think of the idea of um, submission, right? Or obedience. It's the idea of submitting to God's guidance. And it describes basically this relationship with God, that those who are meek are those who are submissive to God's guidance in their life. But the word that's actually in the text is Greek because the New Testament is in Greek, and the word that they use is this word um, praus, and Proust describes the relationship between people. It's a relationship. So Jesus probably used a word that talked about a relationship with God, but the word here in Greek is actually this relationship between people and the way you are with others. And actually, they kind of work together. You can go with both of them. See, meekness is actually fruit of the Spirit. See, we got the fruit of the Spirit here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Typically, you hear gentleness, but meekness is actually on their banner. It's great. Meekness is the word here. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And it, it describes someone, it does describe someone who's calm, who's patient, who's friendly, who's gentle, who's kind, who's all those things. But it has nothing to do with the weakness that we think, or that we, we use in English with that word meek. It's actually about a strong-willed person who has learned to subdue that will and submit it to a higher authority. Rather than somebody who speaks Regrets it later. You know those ready, fire, aim? Anybody? Related to anybody like that? Yeah, they just speak and then think about what they said later? Nobody? Maybe? Okay. This is about somebody who can hold their tongue. See, meekness is an expression of maturity. It's actually, the best definition is by a guy named Rick Renner, and he said this. I love this definition. He says this, meekness is power under control. Right? That sounds, that sounds a little bit better than the rabbit. 
right? You've got like the, the little genteel rabbit or you've got power under control. Miyamoto Musashi. Anybody know who that is? Anybody? Miyamoto Musashi. Any, any, does anybody know? Any martial arts? Okay, yeah, we got one. I got one hand. All right. He was a Japanese swordsman in the 1600s, probably one of the most legendary Japanese swordsmen of all time. Uh, I mean, I was reading up on a story. It is really pretty crazy. Um, this is just a picture of him. Just a picture of him. But he said this. He said, the ultimate aim of martial arts is not having to use them. Anybody ever hear that? Right? That the ultimate aim of martial arts is that you get to the point where you no longer... You, listen, I, I could, but I don't have to. The, the ultimate aim is to be able to walk away. It's power under control. Does that make sense? Power under control. It's important because the opposite, the other alternative, right, is power out of control. It's power out of control. People are angry, temperamental, prone to outbursts. And I think there are plenty of examples in our world of power out of control. Right? Does anybody have a toddler? (laughs) Power out of control. Right? You will hear their lungs Man, they are just going to scream and because it is power out of control, right? New Jersey drivers, power out of control. Right? I, I had to drive across the Ben Franklin Bridge yesterday, and my wife, she was not happy with how I was driving. But I'm like, listen, you know, you got to know, like, you just, you got to be aggressive. And she's like, why are you cutting him off? I'm like, because he's in a Mercedes and I got a green minivan and he knows I don't care. Like, what happens to my car? Like, I'm going first. And he, he yielded. Cause guess what? We were fighting. I was like, mm. she's like, damn. I'm like, hey, he's going to stop. I know it. He's in a silver Mercedes. He's going to stop. He does not want this fight right now. But power out of control. Okay. This one hurts a little bit, but I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan. Okay. New York Giants. Woohoo. Football. Some of you could care less. Sports. Yes. Football. Okay. Well, last week, Giants had a terrible game. Should have won just, but one of their leaders is this very emotional player. His name is Odell Beckham Jr. And Odell Beckham Jr. is a phenomenal talent. He is a phenomenal talent. He can catch just ridiculous, but he plays, and he plays with so much emotion and passion. But he is completely the epitome of power out of control. Show the video. This was him on the sidelines. Okay? Yes. This is called I don't believe in it, but it's called karma, okay? He's throwing fits, and he's got his helmet, and he can't handle it, and he's hitting the thing, and he's just going, oh, I mean, keep going, keep it going. You just keep hitting play, because it's so much fun to watch. All right, this is power out of control, right? He's lost his temper. I mean, really, over, and you can watch this all day long. You can watch this all day long. You're like, are you serious? He actually had a bruise on his face after the game. I'm like, dude, you are a knucklehead. Power. Out of control. <laughs> All right, enough. See, here's the deal. Power is so easily abused. So easy to abuse. The temptation for us is to use our power to serve ourselves. To use the power that we have to get what we want. We do it all the time. We manipulate our circumstances. We abuse our privileges. 
We even pray for selfish things. I'm not saying God doesn't care about us, but I'm saying we need to guard our hearts. Power has a way of corrupting us. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It can be so great, but it can be so delicate and dangerous. When we realize God has given us a power or an ability or a talent for something, we need to use it wisely because uncontrolled power is deadly. You know how I know this? Yoda said so. Yoda, he did. He said this. He said, beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression, the dark side of the force are they. Easily they flow, quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever it will dominate your destiny, consume you it will. And then he ends with this, to answer power with power, the Jedi way, this is not. In this war, a danger there is of losing who we are. When you try to force what you want, see what I did there? Force. When you try to force what you want, when you want it, the way you want it, you lose your dependence on the source of your power. See, when you try and manipulate your power, you lose who you are. You lose who God made you. You lose the connection to the source because you think this power is for me to go do what I want to do. God has given you power. And you might say, I don't have power. Yes, you do. And you use it all the time. It's your influence. It's your ability to get what you want. We all have power. We manipulate things. We know if I do this here, they'll respond this way. And so we know how to move and what to say and how to react and how to get what we want. The truth is that all power must be submitted to God's authority. Meekness is power under control. It is no longer self-serving, but it is power yielded to my relationship with God. And it manifests in the way we relate to other people. So it's both this relationship with God and relationship with others. The best example of meekness was Jesus. Jesus was the epitome of power under control. There was nothing Jesus couldn't do. I mean, come on. I could walk on water. He could turn water into wine, right? He could take a little bit of bread and be like, okay, buffet for everybody, right? Like he could, he could, he could do anything. He could just say, listen, I don't feel like being here right now. Jesus disappeared and they don't know where he went. He just shows up somewhere else, right? He could do anything. He could heal people. He had power. In the beginning of his ministry, he was out in the desert. The, the devil came to tempt him. We talked about this a few months ago. He says, you know, I just, hey, listen, jump off this tower and, you know, you could jump down from here over into the valley and, you know what, God will send his angels to save you. It'll be his great spectacle. Everybody will see it. And, you know, you really want to be king for these people. Guess what? This will get you some real good press. The devil's trying to tempt Jesus. And let me ask you, could he have done it? Could he have? Could he have jumped down and the angels could have come to him? Absolutely. There's nothing Jesus couldn't have done. Could have happened. And Jesus says, the scriptures say, do not test the Lord. He's basically saying, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Power under control. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. When the soldiers came to arrest him, oh, it's one of my favorite stories. They're in the garden. He's praying He's being the rabbit. He's genteel Jesus. He's praying. Soldiers come up. They're coming to arrest him. They got, you know, he's got no swords, no nothing. He's just there, right? They say, we're looking for Jesus. And he steps up and he says, I am he. Right? And they fall down. I love it. I said, it's like Jesus, like flexed. He's like, just so you know, 
Just so you know. I can. I can. Says Peter then draws a sword, cuts off the ear of the high priest's slave who was with them. I'm guessing he wasn't aiming for a slave. He was just like, I just had, I mean, he had an ear. Do you think he was really trying to go for the ear? Obviously, Peter's out of his mind here. He's not meek. He's not controlled. He's rash. He's reckless. And Jesus says to Peter, put your sword back into your sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Listen, I know what this moment is. I know what I can do, and I know what I am choosing to do. Jesus could have, but he did what was right rather than what he could have, what would have been self-serving. Then Pilate, the end, wants Jesus to talk. He says, don't you realize, this is Jesus, why are you not talking to me? I'm asking questions. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or to crucify you? I have all the power in my hands. And Jesus says to him, he says, hey, um, you would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. Oh, man, you think that put Pilate in his place? Uh, he's just saying, listen, you got no power over me. I, I'm, I'm in control of this situation, but this is power under control. I choose to submit in this moment. And on the cross, ultimately, he's openly mocked. And the people are saying, if you are who you say you are, save yourself. Come down off the cross if you really are. And could he have? He absolutely could have. Would have been a great miracle. Absolutely. Hey, we nailed him there. How'd you get out of there? Right? But he says, I choose to give my life. See, what appeared to be weakness, what we think is weakness, is actually great strength. Jesus used his power in the right way at the right time for the right reasons and for the right people. The meek are the powerful who submit themselves to God's authority. They use their power at the right time in the right way for the right reasons and for the right people. Then Jesus revealed the reason for their joy. He says, this is why those people make this list. This is why the meek are included in the list of happy people. Let me tell you why. Ready? Here it is. Because they're going to inherit the earth. First, we need to understand how the people back then would have heard this. He's talking to Jewish people. They're still living under that promise of Abraham years and years ago. Where Jesus, you know, God made this promise to Abraham. I'm going to give this promised land to you, remember? And the promised land represented... Rest, no more enemies, blessing, fruitful land. It's going to be great. It's going to be peace. It's going to be security. It's going to be family. It's going to be abundance. It's going to be everything good. And these people were waiting for a king to lead them into this land, to forcibly take, because they're under Roman rule. They're not in charge. This is not their land. The Romans are in charge here. These people would have heard Jesus saying, you're going to inherit it, and they're immediately thinking military. We're thinking, okay, take over, power. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, let me tell you, the meek, the power under control, they're going to inherit the promised land. Jesus was appealing to their deep hope in this promise of God, and it was, it was messing with their preconceived notions of, of how this was supposed to go. No, the happy people are those who are strong enough to take the land by force. And he says, no, the happy people are those who are strong enough to control themselves and let God do it. See, here Jesus reveals something so important about God, and it's this, that the world, the promised land, it's God's to give. It's not ours to take. Even on your best day, you're not powerful enough to take an inch. 
But God, because of his great love, he will give it to you. Jesus spoke so much about the kingdom. So there's this now, not yet mentality. It's both now a reality, but not yet fully. He says, listen, let me tell you, the people that are meek, they now have the kingdom. They now have the whole earth, but not yet fully. They will inherit it all. And when he says inherit it, you know what that means? He means your family. He's the father. You're the children. He is deeding to you all his promises. He says, hey, but let me tell you something. I'm giving you all these promises, but resist the temptation to take those promises by force. I will give them to you if you will submit your authority to my authority. The happiest people have learned how to have power under control because they know how it's going to all end anyway. They know the end of the story. Guess what? We know the end of the story. God says, hey, guess what? You, you're going to inherit the earth. You may not feel like you have much of inheritance. I don't know what your inheritance is right now. It's a, it's a running joke in my family. Where's my mom? Um, that which child is going to get all their money when they die? Because we all know my parents have no money. Just like we have no money. No. It's a joke. I actually texted to my mom yesterday. She did something for me. I was like, hey, when I die, that's why you're getting all my money. Like I'm going to give her all my money. I have nothing. It's just a, it's an empty promise. I don't know what your inheritance looks like. Maybe you got a lot of money. And you know that still money is not the answer. Maybe your inheritance, right, is, is a family legacy. Maybe it's a family business. I don't know what your, what your inheritance is. But can I tell you, God says your inheritance will be all of it. The whole earth. The promise of God. Heaven, eternity. I mean, it's going to be paradise. That's a good inheritance. Happy people, because we know that the promise is for us, and the promise maker is good for it. You've had people give you, you know, oh, I got an inheritance for you, I got a promise for you, and you know, you know, it's worth nothing. It's not worth the paper it's written on. So what? So what? As you walk out of here today, so what? In 1939, the British government began preparing for World War II. They were concerned about morale. And uh, developed a series of posters with a Tudor crown on it. The crown was a symbol of their state, intended to be hung up. Whenever a, um, an attack was carried out, they'd hang up these posters to boost morale. They were like these encouraging posters. And the first one said this. It said, freedom is in peril. Defend it with all your might. Anybody ever see that? Freedom is in peril. The second one said this. Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us Victory. Well, anybody ever hear that one? No, but you've probably heard of the third one. The third one goes like this. Um, keep calm and carry on. Anybody ever seen that? Yes, you've seen that everywhere. You know what's really ironic about this? This was developed 1939, British government, World War II. They printed two and a half million copies of these posters, and they never put them up. They never got posted. They kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and they never put them up. So they went into storage. And then there was a, a paper shortage. So they pulped all the papers, all of these, and recycled them. Somebody kept a few of them. So we have evidence that they're there. And in 2000, in a used bookstore, somebody found one in an old box of books and hung it up on his wall. 
And people began to say, oh, that's really interesting. Can I have as we started making copies of them for see people? And he said he really was hoping that it would not become something trite, but really capture the, the, the mentality of we're trying to encourage people to keep calm in times of difficulty and carry on. And, of course, you know what it's become now, right? Um, this is what we see. We see keep calm and buy shoes. You've seen this? Keep calm and where, where'd it go? Oh, it's in there. Oh, it's really light. You can't see it. Keep calm. That says, keep calm and have the next one. Keep calm and um, Pokemon. There you go. Keep calm and Pokemon. You seen that one? Because this is really important. Keep calm and Pokemon. How about this one? Keep calm and use the force. Use the force. That's a good one. All right, next one. Next one. Here we go. Keep calm and uh, keep calm. Next one and grow a mustache. Anybody? Sorry. Uh, um, there you go. That's a good one. Deep, deep, deep. All right, next one. Here we go. Keep keep calm and uh, and surf on. Any uh, surfers? There you go. Keep calm and surf on. All right, here's my personal favorite. Ready? Keep keep calm and uh, and call Batman. Mm-hmm. That's gonna help. And then then some people completely disregarded the keep calm. And I saw this one. It just says uh, stay alive, stay alive, and uh, avoid zombies. Great advice. Great advice. Huge advice. So I made my own for today. Um. Happier the meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. And it's this. Keep calm and tarry on. See, I, I, like I did there, I changed one letter. Tarry on. So that word tarry is like a historically church word. I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but it's an older word. But here's what it means. It means to linger in expectation. Think about that. To tarry means to linger, to wait. Actively wait in expectation. See, God is saying the happiest people keep calm. Power under control. They keep calm in the moment. And they linger in expectation because they know they're going to inherit the whole earth. Keep calm and tarry on. Keep calm and you wait. You act. And this is not just passive This is not just like sit around, do nothing, keep calm and just, you know, just chill. It's all going to be good. No, no. Tarry on is an action. It's an action word. It's power at work is under control, but it is not self-serving. See, here's the thing. Jesus didn't just wait, 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 wait. There were moments when Jesus acted. When it was time to heal, Jesus stepped forward and healed. There was a time when the, the temple, Jesus walked in and he messed it up. He starts flipping over tables and going crazy, saying, listen, this is not how it should be. He was completely full of power, but it was in the right time, at the right moment, for the right people, and the right reasons. He had it all together. It was power under control. It does not say, do not use your power. Just use your power judiciously. Know when you should use that power. That is meekness. It is action. See, God has given you power. When you pray, think about this. When you pray, God acts. And when you act, God empowers you. Your life changes eternity for people. Be powerful in Christ. Submit to his authority and linger in expectation. Keep calm and tarry on. Whenever you can use your power, ask this simple question. Should I? Should I? Am I serving my own purposes or am I serving God's purposes here? God has made you powerful, but not to, not to improve yourself, not to just benefit yourself. He's given you power to make a difference. Am I doing this for my own desires or am I prompted by God? Just because I can does not mean 
I should. As I close this morning, I want to quote Aristotle. And he said this. He said, meekness is the virtue of acting halfway between recklessness on one side and cowardice on the other. He said, meekness is, some, is the land between recklessness and cowardice. It lands in the, in the middle. It's the golden mean between both. It says this, one side uses power recklessly for whatever they want in the moment. The abuse of power. And we see that all the time in our world. More examples than we need. There are abusive moms and dads in our lives. There are vindictive bosses. There are mean girls at school and mean kids. We know about this thing. We know what abuse of power looks like. And the other side refuses to use the power they've been given. God gave you power as a responsibility to make a difference in this world. We cannot abdicate that responsibility and just to be cowardly. Say, ah, God's got it all anyway. I'm just going to stay out of it. I'm not going to get involved. It's not my business anyway, you know. I'll let other people deal with it. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just not going to get involved. God's got some pretty strong words for people who stay out of it. You are sent to make a difference. He says, meek. The happy are those who are meek. It is not those who are cowards. It is not those who are reckless. It is those who are powerful, but under control. For you today, do you tend to be reckless? Do you let it loose? Use whatever you can to get whatever you want whenever you want it. Just let it rip. Perhaps today you need to acknowledge, you know, it's not doing any good. Can't gain anything on my own anyway. What does God say? Not by might. It's not by power. But it's by His Spirit that anything gets done. Not by might. Not by your power. But it's by God's Spirit. You really, those things you really want, the best way to do that is to submit your power to the authority of God in your life. Perhaps today you lean more towards being a coward. I know these are strong words. But perhaps there are moments where you fail to step forward when you knew you should have. I've got good news today. It's a brand new day. No judgment. Nobody's taking the score. It's a new day. And God will empower you again. The question is this. Will you invite God to help you live in the land of meekness? You can't try to be meeker. Like, God, I don't, even have to find, I don't know if that's a word, meeker. Meekest? I don't know. It's something only God can do. It's a process. God's got to do it in you. But God can help you know when it's the right time. And God can help you know when is the right, how, you know, what's the right way and what's, do you have the right motivation? Am I doing this for the right reason, God? See, and if we'll be meek, we'll actually become really powerful. It's the great irony of the kingdom of God. Right? Those who are last will be first, the greatest. Or those who are the least, the leader must be the servant and the meek are going to inherit it all. See, here's the best part. God will withhold no good thing from those whose way is blameless.
God wants to give you everything. You will inherit the whole earth. And he said, let me just point out to you who's happy, just so you know. It's not the people out there trying to force their will on this world. It is those who know they are empowered by me, but who are willing to submit it to my authority, who will act when I say to act, and who will restrain themselves and be self-controlled in those moments when that's what it calls for. Power under control. Happy of the meek. I just give you a few moments this morning to reflect. I'm going to pray, give you an opportunity. Nikki's going to play, going to give you an opportunity to sit in your seat. In the back of your connection cards, a chance for you to consider what might be your next step. Respond to this message today. If you have a prayer request, you can put it on there. And we'll collect that along with the offering in, in just a few moments. But before we get on with the rest of our day, let's just let God seal what he's done in our lives this morning. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for everybody here. Lord, you know what we needed to hear today, Lord. And I ask you to to highlight things from your word that are applicable in each one of our lives. Lord, there may be no two people that hear the same thing from you in this moment. But Lord, we ask you to speak now in such a way, Lord, that we, we can hear you. Lord, from the kids to the adults to the oldest in this room, Lord, would everybody hear you speaking at this point in a way that only we could hear? Help us to respond to that. Lord, forgive us for those times where we have misused our power, whether we've abused it or abdicated it, just not used it at all. Lord, forgive us for those times. And Lord, in this new day, Help us to take what we have been given and use it for you. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.